Well, this morning, we're, we're partway through a series looking at the book of Judges and thinking about the nature of sin. And today being Mother's Day, I thought, oh, should, should I just kind of just plow on and keep doing Judges and keep talking about sin? Or should I do something kind of separate and, and, and talk about how God uses mothers? And I've, I'll scratch my head for a while. I thought, let's do both. Uh, let's talk about how God uses mothers, even in the midst of sin. Um, so, but to begin, we're going to read Genesis chapter 3. Well, not all of it. We're going to read from Genesis 3 from verse 14. So we read about the first mother, Eve. This is just after Adam and Eve have first sinned, first disobeyed God and eaten the fruit in the Garden of Eden. Verse 14, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I'll make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you'll give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you'll eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return." Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and, back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. Eve was the one who gave the great gift of life to her children and the next generation of mothers gave the gift of life to the next generation, and so on and so on. And every one of us here has benefited from the gift of life through a mother, haven't we? Uh, in, in doesn't say anything about what our relationship was like, and there's uh, better and worse things that we enjoy or uh, are saddened by, but we all have been given the gift of life by a mother. And, and, you know, 
for better or for worse, there's other things our mothers have gifted to us, haven't they? How about I want you to think right now, what's the, what's the greatest gift that you've got from your mother? Now, it may be something, a tangible gift, but it may be something more kind of inherited. Maybe it's just your handsome jawline that, that you've inherited. Uh, I think I got mine more from my dad, actually. So, uh, no. But I did get my golden, golden locks from my mum. Uh, what is it? What's the, the gift that you've passed on? So we, we, we inherit things, don't we? We get lots of good things about who we are passed on from our mothers. I was uh, noticing with, with James, we were looking at some birds out the front of our house, and he was saying there was galahs, and he was laughing at them, and there was some corellas. And then there was another one, and it, and it was a magpie. And he, he was saying, it's a kookaburra. And I was saying, no, that's a magpie. And he, and he starts saying, I like... And you think he's going to say, I like magpies. He comes and he says, I like apple pie. <laughs> Straight from the mother. That, uh, that is, isn't it, James? Mum loves apple pie more than birds, too. Uh, we inherit these things, don't we? That things that we like, things that we dislike, things about us, our physical characteristics, and our personal characters. And some of, it, some of it is also ingrained in us by the, the upbringing we have, by the relationship our mothers have with us. As we consider the life we've received, even, even just at the basic element of a life itself, there's lots to be thankful for, isn't there? For our mothers. We're thankful that we have been born, that we breathe. Thankful that we have the different characteristics that we have and enjoy that have been passed down to us. But you know what? Mums don't get away easy, do they? They give us great gift. And through the way that they care for and, and, and nurture us and labor and wake up in the middle of the night and change nappies and put up with our whinging, and our teenage years, and suffer our friends, and bite their tongue through our difficult decisions. Being a mum isn't easy. And Genesis alludes to this, doesn't it? In referring to the childbirth particularly as something that was going to be difficult for Eve and for women, painful, the act of bringing children into the world after sin, is hard. It's, it's why it's called labour, isn't it? But it doesn't just stop with the childbirth. The mum's task is one that's, that's painful and laborious throughout all her days. Mums are called to be to a sacrificial role, aren't they? There's lots for us to be thankful for. Thankful for Eve and for her motherhood, beginning the human race. We're thankful for our own mothers and the way that they have sacrificed and borne born with us, suffered for us. Mothers give us a gift of life. Well, we're not doing judges. That's our a mother's gift of life. is what we see here, first of all, through this first mother, Eve. Even though it's difficult. 
life comes forth. As we continue reading the Bible, we see that life is not the only gift that mothers pass on to us. Uh, There's the positive side of life, but there's also a massive negative consequence of the fall, of Adam and Eve being sinners, that they pass on to their children. Each human being that is born is not born in the Garden of Eden where we each have to make the choice, will we obey God and sin or will, sorry, will we obey God or will we sin and disobey him as from a neutral position? We don't start off that way. We're all born outside the garden, aren't we? We're all born in the state of being God's enemies. And this is what the Bible calls, or not the Bible, this is what Christians call original sin, what the Bible describes. And the mother's gift of sin that leads to death. Now, it's not just the mother, it's also the father, let me be clear. This is something we pass down through humanity. But because it's Mother's Day, I'm just tracing the mother's side. Don't think it's just all the mother's fault. Uh, Because it's not even her fault, is it? She can't help but pass it on. That's the state we're in. Now, uh, let me read to you this, this verse, the way King David describes it. After he, after he committed a great sin and was reflecting on himself, he was able to see that sin wasn't something that just came at that moment when he sinned, when he committed adultery. That wasn't the sum total of sin in his life. Actually, being a sinner was something that went back deeper. And he, and he says this. He says, surely... I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, all the way back. Humans are conceived. They come alive in sin. It's not saying that they're in the womb, we're committing sinful acts of murder or theft. But it's to do with the state that we're in. We are under the curse of sin. As Adam, our our father, committed us to as he sinned. We're under the guilt of his sin. That hangs over the human race. Because of what he did. We each are born into this. And it's something that's not just out there as kind of external circumstances. We're in the fallen world and there's this guilt of Adam's sin hanging over us. It's actually, it's within us as well. As Adam and Eve sinned against God, as they disobey him, as they now know good and evil, not just as hypotheticals, but as they've lived that experience and tasted sin, We all are born into a world where we have a sinful bent against God. A twisting of ourselves from the upright way that God created human beings. We are all stained by sin. It's like a bit like a disease is passed on. 
And this disease bears itself out in behaviour as soon as we're able, doesn't it? Now, when I was at uni, uh, learning to be a teacher, there was this one class, I, I, I can't remember much, but there was one class that started like this. The lecturer came in and said, put up your hand, all the people in the room who think that children are basically good. And most, most of the students put up their hand. And now, now, everyone, now put up your hand if you disagree that students are basically good. And there was just a scattering of people around. And you could tell the people who put up their hand were Christians and parents. Because as parents, we know, don't we, that as soon as our kids are able, they express themselves in sinful ways, in selfishness. In violence, in lying. You don't have to teach children how to lie. It just comes naturally, doesn't it? We have to work so hard to teach them the opposite, to train them against that sinful bent that we have, that tendency to do evil. We're born as sinners. Fallen world, fallen corrupted nature, expressing itself in sinful deeds. And the consequences of that are pretty dark. The Bible says, uh, describes it in the New Testament, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and are the rules of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. This is the common state of humanity, being God's enemies, that we're born into this sad gift this, more than sad, this problematic situation we're in that our mothers and fathers, mothers have passed on to us. We follow the ways of our flesh, not just the, the body. It's, it's not the physical body that's evil. It's compared to kind of a spiritual thing. But it's that we have this sinful nature. It's bent against God. And the consequences are we're deserving of wrath. God's angry with human nature. He's angry with human beings, all of us. We're born into this state. Now, some people kind of want to say, this is not fair. How can it be that before we're even able to make a decision one way or another, we're already born into the world? where God's angry with us, where we're his enemies. Well, you can take it up with Adam and Eve uh, if you think it's not fair. <laughs> but let me tell you, it's not just them, is it? Because it's, it's every one of us who continues down that path. Every one of us continues to choose sin actively. As soon as we're able, we still choose it. like we are born 
on a pirate ship, even though you may, you may think that your life's going well, growing up you're doing good, you're obeying your parents, you're working hard. If you're on a ship, that's whole course is evil. It's expressing that enmity with God, isn't it? We're not born independent or neutral. Our mothers pass on to us a gift of death. The, the poet John Donne, he lived around the same time as Shakespeare. He was also a church, a preacher and church leader. He wrote a hymn that's, that's wrestling with this. And he expresses it like this. He says, wilt thou forgive that sin where I begun, that sin where I started being a sinner, which is my sin, though it were done before. He's talking about the sin of Adam and Eve that's been, that he's been passed on and he's carrying with him. He's, he's saying in this hymn, will, will you, God, will you forgive that sin? That's mine. He understands it's been passed on, even though it was done before me. Will you forgive him? What hope does he have of achieving this, of having this forgiveness? Well, we need to read about the gift of another mother. We, uh, we read earlier of God's promise to the snake that the descendant of the woman would crush the snake's head. And we read about how it happens here. We've already had a hint of it in the kids' Bible, didn't we? This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, Joseph, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will, choose, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Notice what's, happened, what's happening here. There's a break in the chain. In order to sidestep that original sin being passed on. God is raising up a saviour, but it can't just be a saviour born in the ordinary way, entering into the world under the guilt of original sin. The Holy Spirit acts to bring about the conception of this child. The Holy Spirit, who is holy by nature, set apart, perfect, free from sin, brings about the conception of Jesus in Mary. And she will give birth to him and he will be called Jesus, which means he saves. Why? Because he will save people 
his people from their sins. Here's the hope that comes. This gift through another mother of a saviour. We receive the gift of life through our mothers. We also receive the gift of death. And here is a mother who brings the gift of a saviour. God working through her causes Jesus to be born outside the chain of sin so that he may be born and live without sin, without guilt. Not so that he may avoid the punishment of sin, but so that he may bear it for sinners. That's the hope that we know through this mother. The hope that God is at work to overcome our problem of original sin. And we know Jesus does this. He dies. He pays the penalty. Not deserving it. He pays the penalty for our sins, for all our sins. For the sins that we speak, for the sins that we think, for the sins that we act out, and also for this, the state of sinfulness we're in, for the guilt that we carry laid on us by our father Adam. Jesus bears the punishment, God's anger for all of it at the cross, so that we might be forgiven. Mothers pass on life and death. And you know what? Because of Jesus, because of Mary, mothers can also pass on hope of forgiveness. I'll read you this one last verse as we finish. As we get to the end of this. Um, Paul writes to the Apostle Timothy, a young man. He says, As for you, continue in what you've learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul is saying to his young apprentice, keep going in the faith to stand firm and keep remembering what you've been taught since being a child, how you learned the Bible. You were taught it even from infancy. And that's able to teach you about salvation in Jesus. It's able to guide you in forgiveness in Jesus. And who is the people who has taught him this from infancy? Well, he'd already mentioned it earlier in the letter. He said to, said to Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I'm persuaded now lives also in you. Who has taught him the scripture from infancy? It's his mother and grandmother. Oh, what a great gift they have given as they have pointed Timothy to the hope of forgiveness, to the salvation, to the true life that can be, can be found in him. Now, as we consider this, there's a few things to, to let settle. As we know that sin is, is passed on to us, it's the state that all humans are born into. 
you can't, you can't blame it on your mother, can you? Really, you can't just say, she let me down and therefore I turned out bad. Because we're all, we're all in that situation. We're all evil in God's sight. It's, it's our nature. It's not our upbringing. Although upbringings can reinforce that and can do better or worse at it. But ultimately, we're sinners. We're God's enemies by nature. It also means you can't blame your children's sinful state before God on your own parenting. It also means when you see your kids not walking in the way that you're trying to teach them, not walking in righteous paths, you need to remember that they are sinners by nature. Don't expect them to be pure. It's not how it works. As, as parents, we don't always get it perfect and we should be always seeking to repent of our sins and to change and to seek reconciliation with those we've sinned against. And there's lots of pain bound up in this. And I don't want to dismiss it. But there's, there's a level at which we parents can't carry the weight of their children's position before God. We're all sinners and we need to trust in Jesus ourselves, each one of us. Parents can't make that decision for children. We can guide them to it and pray for them and teach them the scriptures from infancy in the hope that they'll understand it and grasp it and that God's spirit will work through that. But as we consider children who aren't trusting Jesus, parents, we need to, we need to trust that to God. Something that's, that's not, our, not our responsibility. And thirdly, as we consider this, 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 this issue of original sin, we need to remember that that's all of us, isn't it? We are all spiritually bankrupt before God. We're all broken and corrupt before him. We all need the Savior. No one is better than anyone else. We're all God's enemies and by nature deserving of his wrath. And so we all need to cling to Jesus, to turn to him, to receive him as the saviour. Turn to him from sin. To accept him through trust. And to be thankful for him. You may not be able to change the shape of your nose or the taste you have for certain foods that your mother has passed on to you you may not have power to, to do that. You might not even have power to change some of the habits that your mum ingrained in you during your upbringing. The kind of phrase you always say, because she always said it. But you know, the biggest issue 
the biggest problem that we inherit, our sinful state before God, there is a solution to that. Jesus. Please hear clearly today. Jesus is the answer, the hope for forgiveness, the only hope that each of us have. Let me pray for us. Our gracious God, we thank you that you give so much. We thank you that you give us the gift of mothers and the gift of life through them. And even though we are born into the world with the guilt of sin, with a bent against you, we thank you that you have provided the gift of a saviour for us. Please help us to see more and more clearly our need for Jesus. And please help us to turn to him more and more eagerly and thankfully. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.